Hello there, Grease the Wheels Nation. This is Eric, the producer, talking to you again just for a little bit here before the episode. Here to tell you about this company that we're working with called the Toolheads Crate. Now, toolheadscrate.com, it's another one of those crate subscription services, but this is really the only one that applies to any part of the Grease the Wheels listenership. Their motto is cheap box, better stuff. Now, what they do is they take a cheap little box and they load it up full of t-shirts, discount codes, coupons, and and some of the little things that give you a taste of some of your favorite tool companies. Now, in this month's tool crate, they are giving out some precision tools featuring SP Tools USA. That's going to be along with some of those discount codes and coupons and t-shirts. But as they always do, they do one crazy high value box for one lucky winner every month. And this one is a great one. Their golden wrench tool set this month is a eight piece, 15 degree offset, large reversible ratcheting wrench set from sizes 20 to 32 millimeters. And that's a $400 value for one lucky winner this month. Crates are $35.99 plus exact shipping. And let's be real. That's probably a lot less than what you owe your snap on guy right now toolheadscrate.com hit them up and give them the discount code gtw10 for 10 percent off of your first crate order that's gtw10 at toolheadscrate.com now i think it's about time to get to the feature presentation Alright boys and girls, welcome to Grease the Wheels, your weekly technician podcast brought to you by your Uncle Jimmy from the Rock and Roll Garage. Sorry about that. That's the old DJ and me coming out. Alright, today's podcast is about a rut. And I'm not talking about a rut like in your yard from a car going off the driveway or in the back lot where there's mud. I'm talking about the rut that you get into as a metaphysical thing. It's a rut that you get into at work where you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Do you understand what a rut is now from that last last statement? People get into ruts. Sometimes they don't want to come out of ruts. People hate change. Nobody likes to change. Sometimes change is not good. Uh, I'm here to disagree with that statement. Change is fucking awesome. Change is great. Listen, your life is short. You know, you're going to, you know, it's like if you had a, if you've ever had a dog, you know, a dog's life is short as fuck. So you better get to fucking caring for that little guy because they're not going to be around that long, 10, 12, 15 years, and then they're gone. And man, do you miss a dog you used to have? <sighs> Boy, you sure do. Listen, your life's short too. So don't spend a lot of time in a rut, boys and girls. Okay. Get out of the rut and experience some change challenge yourself to do something different. Now, when I talk about a rut, what I'm talking about mostly is being at work and working on one kind of car. Now, I I think that my experience with technicians being in a rut goes back to my days at the Saturn dealership I used to work at, where I was a parts guy, actually. It was before I became a technician. And Saturn had really literally one fucking car, okay? They had one car. They had three bodies for that car, but they only had one car. They had two different engines, two different transmissions. All the wheels were the same. All the brakes were the same. This car was basically an automotive rut at that time anyway, when I worked there. They had since, uh, since I left, they had developed new models. 
they had let the world know that Saturn was actually a GM company, which was, I think, a big mistake. And then they closed the doors because nobody wanted to buy a GM car. People were perfectly happy buying a Saturn until they found out it was manufactured by General Motors. Then it was no bueno. They didn't want it. I don't want a GM car. I want a Saturn. Well, okay, but you're just too stupid to live. But early on, they had one car, two engines, two trannies, three body styles. All the shit was the same. Being a parts guy was the easiest thing on planet Earth. We actually developed hand signals to tell me whether a guy needed front brakes or all four brakes. You know, he either needed one or he needed two axles. And I would put them on the counter and I would never even have to speak to the technicians, which was good in some cases and not so good in other cases. Anyway, that's, you could get into a rut real easy in a place like that because you're working on just that one car, especially if it's a new car dealer. I see the rut myself personally at the dealership I'm at. Uh, we, we service BMWs and they change their models about every seven years. And about every seven years, you get really, really, really familiar with what one model of car does. One particular model runs for seven years and it has the same problems pretty much from stem to stern from the first year to the last year. And you get into such a rut that you don't even want to work on anything else. Now I've hung around there for a long time. I've been doing it for a while and I've actually gotten into and then out of and then back into the rut again with other models. I've worked on some of the uh, E46 cars, which were 2000 or actually 1999 to 2005, three series cars. There's hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them in this country. And they're really good cars if you take care of them. And they're really shitty cars if you don't take care of them. They require some maintenance. Every car does, so does that one. When you don't take care of it and it turns to shit, people say, oh, that car is a piece of shit. Now, let me tell you something right now. If the car could talk, it would say that its owner is a piece of shit, really, because you have to take care of a car. And if you don't, do not fucking complain to me that it's a piece of shit, okay? Don't do it, okay? I've got one myself. I've had a few problems with it. I've taken care of them. You know why? Because I can. I'm in that rut, or at least I was in that rut. But what happens is, People come and go, people leave, and you work in different places. And what I have found in the place I'm at now is the technicians that I work with have been doing it a lot more recently than me. So yeah, they love the replacement 3 Series, which is called an E90. They love that car because they've been working on those cars for, what, the last three, four, five years? They know everything that they do. They don't even have to put them up on the lift. They know it needs this or they know it needs that. Great. But you bring them an earlier 3 Series, one of the E46 cars, and they glaze over because that car is not in their rut or vice versa. They're not in that car's rut. They don't know anything about that fucking car and they don't like it. They don't like it because they don't know. They've never touched it. And I always just go, give that fucking car to me, man. I've had those cars apart from stem to fucking stern. I know what they're going to do. I know why they do it. I've got that knowledge in the back of my head that you don't have. And sometimes I see them working on them and they go, why does it do this? Oh, it does that because of this. And they're like, what the fuck? Really? Yeah. Because the model of car that you are working on now that you're in the rut, the E90, well, that car, they fixed some of the problems, but they made bigger problems. <laughs> they all have different problems. It's like I like to say when they mass produce a car, they mass produce the problems right along with it. And you know exactly what I'm talking about if you've ever worked at a new car dealership. And if you haven't, well, I, I, I think you're missing out a little bit. Uh, one of the things that you, you get is to enjoy at a new car dealership besides crappy management and horrible pay is the fact that 
these cars all do the same thing. And after a while, you can get so good at fixing one fucking problem on one type of car that you could do it. You could leave your eyeballs at home and do it. I'm not shitting you. There's, there's things that I have to do to some of the cars I work on that I don't even have to look at them. I could do them by, by feeling my way around with just my fingers. I could just go. I, I'm, I, I want to try it sometime, actually. Uh, having a problem with a car that I've seen a thousand fucking times before and seeing if I can fix it with my eyes closed. I think I can do it. There's some problems I think I can do it. We also do a lot of maintenance and we have a lot of other different types of cars and newer cars. And you know what? Because I've been around long enough and I've seen the changes, I've seen the way this particular manufacturer does things. I've seen where they're headed with what they're building now. I see where they've been with what they used to build. I, I'm almost, I can almost predict what they're gonna do next. And if I get a car in and it's a brand new car for them, I already know that we're gonna have tons of fucking problems in the first six months. I think they do too. Seriously. I, I think that they know that when they take a car and they design it and they engineer it and they put it into production and they fix all the problems they have with production and however long that takes, which in some cases is years even, they built it. They have human beings come in and screw this part to that part and they got a robot that welds that to that and they do this and they do that and they do this and they do that and then they get the car out and then they drive the fuck out of it usually and figure out that they did something wrong or that they need to do something different and then they finally get to a point where they say, guess what, it's ready. Let's fucking put it out there. Well, they, they haven't really beta tested that car yet. You as the general public and especially you as the automotive technician are going to beta test that fucking car. And that's actually a part of the rut that you get into with them is that they count on you to tell them what's wrong with the fucking shit they're building. Because they can't, you know, I mean, the manufacturer can build the most impressive proving grounds possible. And some of them have some pretty impressive proving grounds. But I'm telling you that if you don't drive your car down a dusty dirt road in Texas for 12 hours straight, you're not going to know that something, that this component or that component is going to rattle loose or the dirt's going to get in here or there and it's going to ruin this and that and it's going to cause some sort of malfunction that you couldn't even possibly conceive. I know that. The customer's going to get upset about it. It's fine. That, that That's what they do. They get upset about things. They especially get upset about things that you have no control over. You're just the guy there to fix them. They're still going to get upset with you. And then you have to tell the manufacturer, just say, hey, look, you know, your efforts to keep dust out of the engine compartment failed. Miserable, terrible, complete failure. We have one uh, car that when people bring it in, it is as if some kid buried in a sandbox. It's so fucking dirty under the hood. And it's a stupid problem. For me, it's a problem because when stuff gets dirty, in the engine compartment, well, guess what? Air in the engine compartment likes to go into the engine so that it can be used for combustion. And if it's got a lot of dirt in it, guess what? Then the air filter that's supposed to keep the dirt out needs to be changed more often. But is that gonna happen? No, because nobody ever thinks about that shit, except me. I'm the only fucking ding dong that thinks about that. I'm like, hey, you need an air filter. They go, eh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna do that. Okay, fine. And I get into a rut with that. I wanna change the air filters because I see how fucking dirty the engine compartment is on really all the cars, but on this one particular model, it's it's really ridiculous. So, but I'm I'm just a mechanic who wants to try to rip the customer off by selling him an air filter he doesn't need, right? Right. If you're a longtime listener, you know what I'm talking about. One of the other things I want to talk to you about being in a rut is is besides 
not actually keeping up with what was new and or not keeping up with what was old is getting into a rut with what you do. Some guys, I've heard a lot of people say they don't like doing alignments. Okay, I get it. Some alignment machines are in serious need of repair. Some alignment machines are old and require these intricate and, and stupid compensation rituals, I guess. The routine to do a, an alignment is terrible. Um, if you're from the north like I am, uh, doing an alignment involves heating a lot of different bolts and screws and nuts up until they're about four to 5,000 fucking degrees so that you can turn them at some point. And when you do that, you have to wait a, an extraordinary amount of time for them to cool because when you heat up a component, it changes. You can watch it too if you do it right. You can put up on it. You can put a car up on the alignment rack, and you can see that the toe is is 10 degrees out. And then you heat it up with a torch, and now suddenly it's 25 degrees out. And you're like, what the fuck? And then when it cools down, it goes back to being 10 degrees out. But now you can turn the screws to adjust it to wherever it needs to be instead of being out of adjustment. And so this is something that a lot of people don't want to do. And so they get in the rut of not trying to sell an alignment because they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. Uh, there's other components that nobody really wants to fuck with on a car and they get into a rut of not trying to sell that particular job. You know, one of the things that we have problems with at my dealership and with the brand that I'm on is that the oil pans like to leak. And if you look at the design, it seems kind of stupid to me, but if you look at the design, the way the engine is implanted in the car, it is in many cases put in the car on a slant. And it caused me that, I mean, I can remember this is a long time ago, but I remember the first time I saw one of these engines and saw how it was sitting in the car, I remarked that it was like a slant six Dodge engine. And it's exactly what it's like. And the only reason they do that is because if they stand it up straight, there's not gonna be enough room to close the hood. Okay, so I get it, I get why you do it. But what they did was, along the center line of the uh, engine and perpendicular to it, they mounted the oil pan. Okay, fine. Put a gasket on it, mount an oil pan on there, stick some bolts in it, torque them down, boom, you're done, right? Wrong. The oil level in the vehicle is actually above, when the oil level is full, the oil level is actually above where the gasket lives. So consequently, they leak at a horrific rate. And I think that some technicians get into the rut of trying to do them, and some technicians are in the rut where they don't want to do them because it's not the fun job, especially if the vehicle has all-wheel drive. There's a couple of half shafts that run through the middle of the, well, it's just one, okay? There's not a couple, but there's a half shaft that runs right dead center through the middle of the oil pan, and you have to pull that axle shaft out and unbolt a differential from the side of the oil pan to actually remove it from the engine. <laughs> and it makes the job take a lot longer. It also pays more. And I think a lot of technicians would prefer not to have to do that kind of work. And so they're in that rut. And there's other technicians who don't mind doing that work and know that it pays well, and they're in the rut where they're gonna, rip, and I'm in that rut. I'm in that rut where I recommend replacing the oil pan if it's leaking every time. I don't look at it and go, well, it's really, really leaking, but I don't wanna do it. I don't do that. I tell people what they want, what, what their car needs. What they wanna do with that is fine. And if they wanna come up with the opinion that I'm just trying to rip them off, that's, that's fine too. There's no amount of PR work that can be done to keep, <laughs> to keep a, a, a customer from saying that a technician or a shop is trying to rip them off. And the reality of it is, is that there's not one single customer in the last 16 fucking years who's ever paid me 
to work on their car at any shop I've worked at. They never pay me. They don't pay me. They pay my boss. They pay the cashier. They pay a service advisor, but they ain't fucking paying me. So you can stop saying that the technician's trying to rip you off. If you're a non-tech, if you're a non-technician and you're listening to this podcast, I want you to make it your job. If you're going to listen to this, I want you to make it your job to go out and tell people that it's not the technician who's ripping you off. It's the guy who owns the shop. And he's not ripping you off either, okay? If you have a leaky oil pan, and I don't, I don't try to sell stuff that you don't need. I never do that. And if I did, it'd probably get declined anyway. So why the fuck would I even make the effort? That's not a rut I'm going to get into either. Some people are in that rut. I know some people who are in that rut. They will recommend stuff that they think a car needs when it doesn't, just so they can try to make some money, so they can earn some money. You know, they might be like, oh, you need to have an oil pan gasket, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And either they didn't look at it long enough, or they didn't person who fixed it before didn't clean it good enough or it's really not leaking or whatever for whatever reason you don't need it that's a rut that some people get into that's a rut that people need to get the fuck out of it should not be a rut that anybody would ever get into that's just a tip from your uncle jimmy don't recommend work that people don't need there's too much honest to god real broken shit out there to fix honestly to feel like you need to rip people off it doesn't need to happen. There's just so there's so much work out there. It may now maybe the shop that you're in is is not quite busy, not that busy. I've seen some posts where people are standing around playing cards. There's nothing to work on in their shop. I think to myself, what the fuck is wrong with your management? How is it that they have have employed you to come in and fix cars, and then suddenly there's no cars to fix? I have never worked in a place like that. I don't know what that feels like. We've we've I've worked in places where we've slowed down a little bit. But there was always something to work on. And maybe if it's a seriously specialized shop and there's not a lot of those cars out there, you know, specialized cars out there, maybe race cars or Porsches or Ferraris or something, and there's not a lot of them out there and you're standing around doing nothing because nobody has a broken one that wants to get fixed right at the moment. I get that. That's different. But if you run a general automotive repair shop or even a dealership of a you know, a fairly well-known brand and you have no work, somebody's not doing their fucking job and it's not you. It's management, it's marketing, it's whoever fucking handles the ads, whoever answers the phones. They're not doing their fucking job. You should not, you should never not be busy. Okay, there's, there's just, there are so many fucking cars out there. Don't let people in your building get into the rut of telling people, oh, we're backed up two weeks or we, we can't fix that car or we don't have parts or whatever. No, 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 no. If somebody calls up and they want to get their car fixed, you should be in the mode where you say, yes, it should be up. Bring it down. We'll take a look at it. We may have to reschedule for a repair if it's a long-term repair. If we have loaners or if we don't have loaners, that seems to be a big deal these days. If Because uh, I know at the independent shop I used to work at, we did not have loaners, which meant that people wanted to pick up their cars 15 or 20 minutes after they dropped them off. And if they had to wait a couple of days, oh my God, what a fucking tragedy that was. Holy shit. You kidding me? Quit calling us. It is actually slowing us down in the attempt to fix your fucking car. Different story if you have a, a shop that has loaner cars, like most new car dealers do. People get into a loaner, you have their car for a week, they don't give a fuck. Keep it for another week, I'm liking this loaner. That's one of the things that keeps your shop either really, really busy or not really, really busy. That's one of the things that keeps you 
from being aggravated or one of the things that, that aggravates you. And that's a rut that you need to get out of. Uh, and it, and it, might need, it might need to be a rut that your management gets out of. If they don't have loaner cars and people drop off their cars and they're constantly calling up, like, I want my car, I want my car, I want my car, I want my car. Guess what your manager's going to do? He's going to come back and say, I want this car, I want this car, I want this car, I want this car. It's like, what the fuck? I can't fix it any faster than I already am. Jesus Christ, you understand the concept of time? Well, you said you're charging the customer three hours of labor to fix the car. That's three hours. It takes me three hours to fix the car. They, they call me in 20 minutes to say, is my car done yet? You just have to say, no, not yet. Instead of coming back here and breaking my balls and saying, is the car done yet? It's akin to your kids from the backseat going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Don't fucking do it. Get out of that rut. God damn it. All right. That when I was talking, when I started talking about being in a rut, what I meant was I wanted you to break out of behavior that kind of narrows your thinking, that narrows your uh, perception of what you do. Uh, and it narrows your ability or your desire to work on a specific car or one specific model of a car or even one specific brand or brands or uh, you need to broaden your horizons and get out of the rut that you're in. You need to see what's coming down the pike. If you work at a new car dealership, you know that every few years, you're gonna have to learn and start working on a new model of cars. So they're constantly changing, they're constantly adding features, they're constantly adding options, they're constantly changing colors and wheels and tires and different size brakes. They're constantly doing shit to tweak that car to make it more saleable, more marketable. And you're going to have to deal with whatever fucking changes they make. So don't get into a rut. Henry Ford tried that shit early, early, early on. He thought that the Model T was the last motherfucking car that anyone would ever fucking need, ever. And he was just going to build that car until he was dead. He really was. He had to be, uh, this is the God's honest truth, Henry Ford had to be convinced that people wanted something better than the Model T. It seems ridiculous now. In, in this year, which is, you know, 100 years since, since the Model T has been out, with the models that we have and the shit that they do and the unbelievable levels of comfort and luxury and the options and, and just everything, it is difficult for someone who's alive today to realize what a rut Henry Ford was in to actually believe that all we ever needed, even now, even now as the human race, all we ever needed was the Model T. Can you even wrap your fucking mind around that? Imagine instead of going out and getting into whatever it is you drive, which was probably built within the last 10 years, okay? Instead of going out and seeing that in the driveway with your plates on it and your shit in the front seat and, and your dead fries from McDonald's three days ago underneath the fucking seat and, and and everything else about your car that is your car. And instead of going out and seeing that car sitting there and knowing that you can get in, twist the key, start it up and drive away and listen to whatever it is you want to listen to on the iPad and turn the wipers on and the heat and the air conditioning, whatever. Instead of seeing that out there, instead of having that out there, you had a model fucking T. This is the way Henry Ford saw the world. And there was nothing that was going to change him until finally... His wife and his son, Edsel, came along and said, Ted, wake the fuck up and get out of the goddamn rut, okay? See, you're not the only person susceptible to being in a rut. And it, it almost changed the world because at some point, uh, people like 
the people at General Motors and the Chrysler brothers and the Dodge brothers and whoever other brothers that made cars back in those days said, hey, you know what? People want cars that look better than the Model T. They want them to go faster than the Model T. They want them to be more comfortable than the Model T. And eventually that's what they started giving the public. And the public responded by saying, yeah, fuck the Model T. I don't want to be in that fucking rut. <laughs> so that's a classic example of being in a rut. Ladies and gentlemen, don't let yourself get into a rut. Expand your horizons. Figure out how to work on the new stuff. Figure out how to work on the old stuff. What the hell? That's out of your rut, isn't it? Uh, if you've been around a long time and you can remember things like the model that was out before the model that was out before the model that's out now, you might be ahead of the game. And when they come in and they need this, that, and the other thing, you can say, yeah, I can fix that. I fixed that a thousand fucking times. You can look at it faster. You can fix it faster. And your, and your fellow coworkers will go, how do you even know how to do that? And you go, what are you kidding me? We used to do this every fucking day back in the 2000s. And now it's the 2010s, and we do something different to different cars every day. And that's a rut that you're in, and I'm not in it. Welcome to the rut, you dumb fuck. <laughs> All right. Listen, I think I've talked long enough about the rut. I want to get out of this rut and get you out of your ruts. And by doing that, what I'm going to do now is sign off and say, see ya. So that is it for this week's episode of Grease the Wheels. Hey, make sure you leave us some comments and concerns. Hit us up over on our Facebook page or our Twitter at Grease the Wheels. This week's featured automotive content creator is Captain Ron. He's over there. He's doing a live stream on YouTube. He does them once or twice a week. His latest video, he was live from Diesel Pros. Very cool place. Make sure you give him a subscribe. He's just a sea hair away from 1,000 subscribes, and he told me that he's given something awesome away when he hits 1,000, so make sure you go over there and support him. Next week, we're talking about what customers think, and, well, it's, it's a good one. Trust me, folks. Take care, everybody. See you next week.